Pete, my friend, here we are in another fantastic Afterthoughts episode. I can just feel this coming. <laughs> happy almost Thanksgiving. And as people are listening to this, happy uh, Thanksgiving mm -hmm. if you're in the U.S. yesterday. That's right. We hope that you all in enjoyed what is shaping up for most of us to be the weirdest Thanksgiving of all time. Truly. Yeah. Truly it is. Are you uh, are are you doing an outdoor pod Thanksgiving? We are not. We are going to have the first Thanksgiving we've ever had with just the three of us. The first one, really? We've never done this before. No, we've uh, always never had go back. friends and family over. Yep, you'll never go back. It's going to be the best awesome. way to do it. Yep. Yeah, weird doesn't have to be anything less than wonderful necessarily. Exactly. Exactly. We've we we realized early on. That we would go to other people and we'd have Thanksgiving there and to other friends we'd travel and it, we always found like there was the it was we're doing it I'm sure we're doing it wrong let me just say that because I know people are out there saying gonna say that oh you you've you haven't done a Thanksgiving like we do Thanksgiving I, I get it but it was always sort of joyless like because it was so hard. Right. It's so yeah. hard. We travel, we get there, we're exhausted, we're frustrated by all of the everything. And so we drew a hard line in the sand and we said Thanksgiving is going to be a holiday. We're not leaving the house. And so there are some rules. We must go on some sort of a turkey trot event. We must go out early in the morning and get some sort of exercise. We're doing that as a family together tomorrow morning. We have we have shirts. We're actually testing out the shirts as I this turkey trot and uh it is a virtual turkey trot so you calculate your own distance and just do it yourself buy a shirt and pretty much go on a walk that's pretty much what it is so we're just doing this as a family this year because gestures broadly and then you come home and you immediately change out of that outerwear into back into pajamas usually some sort of bespoke thanksgiving pajama and we turn on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day weird parade going to be still <laughs> from nine to noon this year. And we'll see what happens with that. Jury's way out. And then the cooking begins. And just to put icing on the cake that is weird year, we're not even making a turkey this year. We're making fish, scallops and all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> we're just doing different stuff. But the the nut of it is. You do not leave pajamas for the whole day after that opening ceremony. I like that there's a and, real clear priority. Whatever yeah, else and happens. And no one is allowed in the house. We don't leave. And we just share our love from afar. And everybody's happier. Broadcast your thanks out unto the world. No, no one wants people like us in their in their home for Thanksgiving because we're exhausted <laughs> and cranky. Nobody invites would invite us anywhere and All to your go. We wouldn't go. We don't want to go around the table. You're <laughs> fake smilers. I can just That's tell. That's right. You're wearing your it's, silly Thanksgiving sweater yeah. and you're fake smiling at me because uh, you traveled all the way to Nashville. That is a hundred percent right. <laughs> I can love you from right here in Portland. Is all I'm saying. You, your family, they're beautiful. I can That's see them right. on Zoom, and then I can hang up. That's it's right. Amazing. Broadcast yeah. your thanks from your pajamas. All right. Are you are you nervous about it this year? Just real quick. Are you nervous about doing it? Just the three of you. Do you have enough activities planned? I think we're going to be great. We're going to wing it. I think, I think it's going to be great. Too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, Nikki, ADHD. I did you listen to? Have you listened to the episode that I put together for everybody? Did you hear my little intro? I loved it. You didn't listen to it. 
That's Fantastic. what you're saying. You didn't listen. I totally to it. listened you to it. Not. I, you didn't. What was it about? What I was the listen thing? to it? What did I say? Colliding of worlds. Damn, you listened to it. It was a. It, it was, was the collide Seinfeld. I totally oh. did. Isn't that embarrassing? See, you're embarrassing yourself right now, Pete. It is. No player, you played yourself, Dorothy Parker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I love that this is how we're starting our afterthoughts episode on ADHD, right? <laughs> like we still haven't talked at all <laughs> about the episode. We're like ten minutes. Yeah, in. <laughs> but we've thoroughly be. covered Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> mm, okay. That's so right. Uh, all right. So go ahead, share ADHD. Get us on topic, Dodge. Oh. <laughs> well, I. I've really been thinking a lot about that conversation. And the more I've thought about it, like the more I've found myself, I mean, oh my gosh, my mind and has just gone in all sorts of directions. Um, a lot about like, just especially as I was listening to it again, just being like, oh my God, we have only scratched the surface yeah. of such an important conversation. Yeah. And for those who are living with ADHD or right on the verge of discovering that they have been all their lives, they already get, oh, my gosh, you guys had so much more to talk about. Yeah. And for other people, I think they may not be fully aware of how much this is affecting our planet. And it feels like more than ever. Um, and it's just such an important subject. Um, so it was really it was very helpful for me to get to have this conversation with Nikki um, was it, can I ask you, was it different having that conversation with Nikki as a coach than it would be, uh, having a conversation with another therapist on the subject? Like, do you feel like you were challenged in any way to approach the discussion differently or to approach your perspectives in a new way? It's a good question. I guess, um, hmm. Nikki's a very easy person to talk to, so it, yeah, I didn't I feel challenged in a sense of like, whoa, that's an interesting curveball. More a a little bit just a some difference with plenty of overlap in uh, her focus really is, of course, on the, the what are you going to do with it now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, she is a coach who's working on a shift in mindset more than a, you know, uh, a therapist might talk a lot more about the feeling states along with the right. Yeah. Um, right. But she can easily go there and talk about shame, which you and I should too. Um, and uh, and what I mean, she's she's got a wonderful job and she's really good at it, which is helping people now. Okay, so here's what you got. What are we going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. What do you need to and, know about and here's, it? And here's what you got. Uh, it carries a lot of weight in that sentence because here's what you got implies the the journey of discovery that you've already had by the time you get to her. Right. The table is already set. You know, you know, now, usually through your work with a therapist or somebody who's given you an assessment that and and years of shame and, you know, um, right, you know, the struggles in school, whatever. You got it. Uh, right. So, yeah. And. One of the places where I, I could hear us differing a little bit in our experience, um, you know, I think we probably have got a lot more overlap than it sounded like at first, because as soon as I said it, she she caught herself and started walking it back, too, which was that, you know, believe me, if you've got this, you know it. And 
what I thought was I heard her say it again, listening to the recording was really what she means is, believe me, if you've got it, I will know it (laughs) because (laughs) she knows what she's looking for. And it will just jump out at her. Right. But for so many people living with it, they don't know. Yes, they don't know. And so it gets hidden under this massive rug of shame or all of these beliefs about themselves or about what they're not able to do anymore, about the life they'll never have, or just a whole lot of running into a brick wall over and over and over again with extraordinary effort and difficulty Yeah, when um, they had every right to ask for some help. Yeah. Uh, that every was, reason. I, I think so much about that from my experience too, which was, um, you know, if you've got it, you know it. I knew it and didn't know what it was until yeah. that day. Speaking of somebody who knows what those signals are, I'm sitting in <laughs> marriage counseling uh, with my wife doing it. We'd been married for a year, I think, and we were doing our little check in. You know, let's have four or five sessions and feel how things are going. And the therapist says he was great. He says, you guys, your marriage is is really great. You guys are doing great. You know, you're talking to each other just the right way. You're, you're like, I feel like you're doing great. Pete, Pete, I'd love to talk about your ADHD. <laughs> and I, nobody had ever done that for me. Nobody had wow. ever said it. And yeah, we went through that. That was my journey of discovery. That was my here's what you got. And we go through the whole process of, of discernment and assessment and by the end, I felt like a new person and nobody believed me. My mother didn't believe wow. me. My friends didn't believe me because I'm predominantly inattentive. And so nobody knows what's in my head. But they sure know why I keep getting D's on my history papers because I can't stay on subject. They certainly see like the the only class that I'm getting consistently great grades in are like creative writing and <laughs> where I'm nice. stringing, stringing many words together that are uh, a little bit more flamboyant. But if, you, if you're telling me that I have to do something and focus on something and sit down and take a math test and like I, I could not do those things. It was so I felt like like so much weight had been lifted. From my back, from my shoulders, the yoke had been removed just having those words because now I knew what to search for. And I think your example of it is a cool one to talk about because, I mean, honestly, you had to talk me into it for a while. I was like, no way. That doesn't sound right. I mean, because here's here's what I remember about Pete. When I got to spend as much time with you as I wanted to back in the 90s, early 90s, um, you were in college and I just graduated. And I was like, tell me about this little notebook here that's hanging on this perfect little hook next to your dorm room door. And you're like, oh, that's the uh, notebook that I take. uh, That's the notepad I take notes on when I go to class. And I was like, okay. And then what do you do with them? Well, I bring them back here. And as soon as I get back, I type them all into the computer. I was like, wait a minute, you type all of your notes from all of your classes into your computer. And you're like, yeah, see, check this out. I have files from every class I've ever taken. And I was like, and you're consistent about it? Yeah. That is the least ADHD damn thing I have ever heard in my life. And yet there are other places where this does show up for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can hyper focus in some really cool ways and you are good at consistent stuff in some really cool ways. And yet it is 
yeah. causing D's on history papers and screwing with your college and right. certainly your well, self-esteem and all kinds of things I never knew about. Well, and it's so interesting to, to think of back to that because, you know, that's, that is one of many systems that I have adopted over the years. And because of the way my ADHD manifests, I have a lot of systems. And many of them are just <laughs> on the roadside, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they, they come and go because I love them. And that's where I that's where I hyper focus and I'm GTD and I'm Franklin Covey and I do all of these things. And I invest very heavily because that's that's what my brain tells me to do. And I do that at the expense of, you know, eating and sleeping and and focusing and studying. And, and I think in college, I was much more my ADHD when it came to academics was more hyperactive. Like I was super into that, that sort of, um, not into, I was super afflicted by like state dependency. Like I couldn't, if I couldn't take a test, if I wasn't jacked up on like Coke and Coca-Cola and like I was carrying around that giant tumble <laughs> tumbler when I would study, I would super annoy people because I would be like in the library at one in the morning in the all night section of the library. And I'd take my shoes off and I'd be standing on the tables reading my notes like walking up and down the lines of tables as people were studying and i could because i couldn't stop moving um you know and so it's it shifts over the years but uh as an adult it's yeah that's just where my head goes fireworks so another thing that jumped out at me that was a word that afterward i was like it's amazing we didn't use this word um because i think of it as Whatever your form of ADHD, and there are many, uh, and uh, Daniel Amen is one interesting guy out there. He, you know, he's he's um, not always appreciated by the entire psychiatric community, and not always appreciated. He's a controversial figure. He's a contribution. Yeah, he's a controversial figure. But I really appreciate that what he's saying is ADHD is a a symptom, not a disorder unto itself. It's like saying I have headaches. Well, yeah. You do have headaches, but why do you have headaches is the interesting question. Is it a brain tumor or are you dehydrated chronically, right? And ADHD uh, can show up in many different forms. And so he's got the, what, six or seven different predominant types. Yeah. And and I like that he names that. Anyway, one of the and things I that seems that to show is, up. That is one of the, like, we should hang a flag on. That is the central controversy for people who have been living with deep ADHD for a lot of their lives telling them they don't have ADHD, but they have something else is very frustrating and triggering. So we should just say that out that we recognize Eamon is controversy in this space. Like people don't like what he says who live with ADHD. I I think a lot of people who don't have ADHD really appreciate talking about it the way he does. But I've run into more people who really dislike him than than like him. So in this case, what I'm referring to is not where he's saying you don't actually have ADHD. Yeah. He's just saying you have a, a this version of it. Yours yeah. is primarily in the temporal temporal lobe versus, you know, primarily right. in the frontal lobes or, yeah, somewhere else. The point is, he's naming that there are so many different ways this shows up. It's not just as simple as how big yeah. is the H in your ADHD, right? Right. Uh, there are... and. Of course, everyone who has it is an individual unto themselves with many other traits um, yeah. that then and, shapes, and this, you know, the way this expresses. It, it ain't a spectrum disorder for nothing. It ain't, exactly. Now, the thing that I wanted to get to, though, was this word that I experience around ADHD as I live with friends, family, clients, and so on, is that until somebody really ha- understands this is something they're living with, their brain works differently, 
and they are making adjustments and developing systems and getting help in whatever ways they need most. What I see most coming up is chaos. Somewhere in their lives is a kind of chaos they can't just manage mm-hmm. if they aren't fully aware that this is this is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So Nikki mentioned consistency is often difficult. Time management she, can, and she's time underselling is that a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it can feel near impossible for for many, if not most, if not nearly all. Consistency is can be one of the hardest things, Um, but it it leads to a kind of chaos. So it's like I developed this whole fantastic and elaborate things to do system. And then and everybody's got a little chaos in their lives. I mean, the world is is pretty chaotic uh, and it seems like only increasingly so here in this lovely 2020 but but there's an extra version of it that goes with adhd that is hard to live with whether you're the one who has it or you're somebody married to that person or you are their parent or their child the chaos until it it gets acknowledged and lived with in a new way is hard I, I think that's really true. And I think that's the thing that is insidious about it is that we make assumptions when we hear the letters ADHD or ADD or whatever, and we make some keen assumptions based on our sense memory of ADD. Oh, it was that one kid who couldn't sit still in middle school. I know what ADD is. I know what ADHD looks like because it was, you know, it was the kids who were taken out during my math class and they had to sit at another table. Um, I, I, I must know what ADHD is. Uh, and I'll tell you, when you show up to a business meeting in a suit uh, and it, like it, it's the last thing you want to do to acknowledge that I'm I'm in a meeting with other people and we're being all fancy. How am I going to keep from fidgeting today? How am I going to sit mm-hmm. still? How am I going to keep my eyes focused on the person who is speaking right now without drifting off to some other thing? I am I, the context is killing me right now because in my head is chaos and it leads us right back to what you already introduced which is shame right it is an immediate shame trigger that i am incapable of existing in this plane right now for more than 90 seconds so much shame and you're right the stereotypical version is the kid who wants to stand on his desk in the middle of class and uh, is the funniest kid in class and but is creating chaos in math. Um, right. But it, it's not always an overt chaos. No. It's not always, you know, a cinder block strapped to the gas pedal kind of energy. It yes. can be primarily inattentive. And the chaos might be in all of the drawers of your house. None of right. them are organized at all or right. chaos with money. Or chaos in the deep quiet of your relationship. Yeah. There can be lots of places where there's chaos. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that experience making those assumptions is you might not know where the chaos is because it's your chaos. Right? Yeah. It just, because maybe that's Monday. Uh, Right. And so... Yeah, that, that's the part that I've always found is really interesting. And in my work with Nikki is that, um, you know, to to be able to consistently discover through a weekly practice that we have together on this on the show that she and I do um, is that 
I'm I'm often surprised when Nikki or our guests come to the show and say things that I just never considered because, you know, their perspective for me is totally normal. But they're saying, hey, you know what? This is this is a way that's going to that's going to make the world a little bit lighter on your shoulders. Would you like to try? Like this is a thing that we can do that will change your experience of just any other Monday to, you know, maybe it'll feel maybe it'll feel better. One of the other places I see ADHD show up is in what can look like workaholism. Yeah. Because of two things. One is it often takes a whole lot longer to get stuff done. Yeah. Number two, there's a lot of shame around that. And so you feel like you have to just keep flogging yourself till you get there because you don't want one more time to not finish. And finishing is a really hard thing when you've got ADHD for some reason. Transition work is generally super competitive, right? There's the weight uh-huh. of like just trying to look like you're on top of things. Yep. And then the hyper focus where you really finally get into something, you're in the groove and you do not want to break that yeah. concentration. And so you're gone for two or three hours on something that you probably should have finished up in an hour. And, you know, people are working right through dinner mm-hmm. or missing their kids play or whatever because they've lost track of time again. And it looks like work all is all is well, really that's, not talk about that, because how would you how would you see somebody with ADHD who is just struggling to keep up and somebody who is a legit workaholic? How do you how do you figure out who's who? It's hmm. a good question. I might have to think about that a little bit before I could answer it really well. Yeah. Um, but my sense of it is that the workaholism is I'm working because I don't know who in the world I am if I'm not achieving. Um, yeah, it's a self-esteem driven thing in a huge way. Uh, and it's compulsive the way an addict would feel about, um, you know, alcohol or whatever, food or pornography. Um, And work becomes a way to manage one's feelings. And for ADHD, it is this mix of I couldn't concentrate and then I finally could. And then and time management is screwy. And yeah, I'm going to leverage everything I can just to keep concentrating because I know it's so those moments are few and far between. You you used a word that I stepped on a minute ago, which is transitions. And I just wanted to talk just a minute about that because context switching is is one of those incredibly challenging things with for ADHD. And that's something I think you and and Nikki were talking a little bit about. But as as I was listening to it, I was like, no, stay here. (laughs) Stay Stay here because it's the hardest thing. You know, before I was before I was diagnosed, I would I, you know, I'd go to the day job and I was working and I would do my thing and I would find that, you know, any interruption over the course of a number of years in that office would cause would would cause an accelerating uh, just sort of ramp from calm and cool to enraged to the point where I am like I'm standing there talking to my my boss, the vice president, and I'm yelling at her in front of uh, everybody else in the small office for something that that, you know, for some perceived 
um, made up slight that came right when she had interrupted me when I was in one of those those modes. And I had no idea. I thought I just hated her. And it turns out she's a lovely person. <laughs> I just had no way to talk yeah. about you are you are in the way of something right now. You're standing in the way of a freight train that is my concentration. And the fact that you've interrupted me is going to cause me an hour to get back into what I was doing because I just it's just a, a distraction is a boat anchor in my life. And instead of being able to talk about it, I'm going to blow my top at you in front of everyone. Right. Embarrassing, not her, myself. Right. Right. Carrying right. the weight of being a guy who does that at work for the rest of my time in my, that career. Yep. Yep. The transition from one direction to another, from yeah. one activity to another. <clears throat> from one state of mind or or one time of day even yeah waking um, to sleeping literally from, sleeping to waking like that yes. is a transition it's hard yes one family member i absolutely adore has to plan on missing most flights because wow. before she goes anywhere even a 2 hour flight you know to a, a couple states over um she typically has to pull an all-nighter for reasons that make absolutely no sense, right? I mean, like, there is yeah. not an all-night's worth of number of tasks to do just to go out of town for four or five days. Like, yeah, you got to get the cat food straight, and you got to, um, whatever, water the plants ahead and things like yeah, that. But, yeah, like, right. all night long, really not necessary. Um, and so lots of flights get missed, but really it's about transition, yeah. And then once she's arrived in the new place, she's all the way there and she's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, it's a huge thing. Yep. We, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation and you wanted to do this interview was to talk about the, the sort of act of change as it relates to changing around a fixed point. Right. If ADHD yeah. is the thing that you are living with. How does it you know, how do you change your behaviors around that? What'd you get out of the conversation in that regard? Did that did it live up to your expectation? Well, yeah. And I I wanted to spend more time on it. And I'm glad we're talking about it now. Like, really, Nikki's way of saying it is what changes is mindset. Yeah. You know, if you can't change the ADHD, what changes is mindset. Mm -hmm. I guess another maybe deeper, bigger way to say it is if the ADHD can't change, the person changes. Yeah. Right. It isn't just an attitude toward this thing. It's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Because, like, we talked about this idea of, um, you know, it's, uh, it's completely hopeless, but not at all serious. Or at least yeah. not necessarily serious. Right. But the truth is, it is serious. Yeah. It's really serious. It's, in fact, literally deathly serious in some ways. Yeah. Like, you were sharing with me that... How much earlier on average? 12 does, years. 12 years yeah. shorter lives on yeah, average. Because when you think about the ADHD. things that people living with ADHD, many people living with ADHD struggle with is self-care. And that includes, I don't know, taking your medication on time. Uh, it includes like taking your heart meds. It includes getting enough sleep. It includes, you know, eating a balanced diet, not just, you know, sugar and, because it's that that's the easiest stuff to put in your body most of the time. Like it, right. it, it includes so many things that that directly impact how you live your life, your your in your body, right in your skin. And then on top of those, think about the effect of 
of chaos if it hasn't been managed and doesn't get enough help uh, in terms of stress levels over 75 years. Yeah. And, and right? in, in terms of just the the effective work life, I mean, many people with ADHD live in some state of poverty because they cannot maintain a steady job. And if they don't have a partner or a spouse that understands them, that is willing to be a part of that conversation with them, they go from job to job to job and never build any sense of stability because of, as you say, chaos. Like it's yeah. always in the trailer behind them. Yeah. So. When somebody can get to a place where they say, hey, this really is a thing. I'm not making it up. Um, there are things I can do to help and have to do to help, but not things I can do to make this completely and totally evaporate. Um, then somebody has to start to like confront the grief that goes with, this is real. And if you think about it in sort of paradox of change, right? This, the change paradox here isn't just you can't change this, um, but you can change yourself around it. It's that the only way to do that then ends up being like what Ben and Dave Rico and Ted Klontz and Carlene Britton and everybody else has been talking about. You're going to have to move toward the thing you really want to get the hell away from. Right. Up until right. that point, you want to hide that ADHD, or you want to ignore it, or you want to self-medicate it, or you want to, you know, enjoy it standing on the desk in the library. Um, yeah. But the last thing you want to do is to go, oh, shit, this is real, and I have to do something with this. Yeah. I, it's not uh, who I am, but it sure is how I am. Yeah. Well, I, I always I sort of uh, anthropomorphize it, right? It's some it's someone I live with. Uh, it's not yeah. something I have. It's it's something I you know I'm 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 kind of in partnership with, uh, and and I'm with. I, Nikki said something that I'm just a huge advocate of. I really bristle when people tell me that ADHD is a superpower, right? It's it mm. it hurts my head. Like I I just. I, I want to scream because that usually comes from someone who has never lived with it, right? And has never experienced like the 72 hours of not eating because they just, you know, they have to rip all these CDs. <laughs> it's just, it's nonsense because it is, it is an unmetered uh, uh, sort of throttle, right? It's like constantly your foot is to the floor. And if you can't control it, it's not a superpower, right? Yeah. Um, if you cannot wield it at all, if you can't like it, it's uh, completely out of your grasp. It's not a superpower. It's it can be debilitating. I hate that. But it is somebody that I can talk about as if he's like he's right here and I can talk, you know, I can I can talk about it in terms of, OK, well, that Pete, <laughs> I, I, we're, we're going to have to work on engaging some things right now because I live in partnership with my ADHD and that's that requires some systems to rein him in sometimes. Yeah. Makes it easier to kind of frame it for me. I think I really get that. I think calling it a superpower and sort of missing the grief or the shame, or the difficulty, yeah. or the real-world practical challenges of living with this thing that is a differentness in neurology that doesn't work with a world that's set up for the other way of yeah. 
you know, neurology, right? That that's a shame. And I think there are some elements that are at least gifts that go with the liabilities that are worth naming, you know, and and really well, seeing. Well, that goes with the partnership, right? So talk about that. Well, you said in the show you were talking about depths of meditation. Someone yeah. who can dissociate sort of yep. that long. Depending on the kind of ADHD they've got, yep, they can they can be profoundly gifted in trance. Like they can go really deep into what those same daydreams that seem to take them out of math class can also take them into some really incredible places. Um, right. It's one of them. Creativity is, in fact, much more likely with ADHD than without it. Like I heard Nikki saying, well, you might be creative with or without ADHD. That's true, but it is higher and, and more likely. Well, and there are a lot of there are a lot of people in in our community who who kind of I don't want to say they bristle at that, but they're all they always you know kind of come back or like I'm not creative, like I, that's just not what I get. What I get is distraction, and and so we have to keep sort of metering that that it's we're talking about a preponderance of evidence suggests that uh, right. people self report or you know that they are more creative generally. But also, there's like this confusion about what creativity means. Right. Yeah. Right. In terms of so, putting systems together, problem solving. You you talked about the both and experience. Yeah. I think I totally threw Nikki with that. Like um the next thing we knew we were totally on a different subject. But yeah. But I think there is something about there being a, a both and kind of way of being that doesn't come as naturally to the either or brains. Yeah. Um and when I work with people around that, um which usually comes after we've kind of <laughs> done some of the like management of behaviors and systems and understanding how the brain works and, right. you know, what are we going to do about self-care, right? You know, but if we can get through those parts, sometimes what we can look at is, hey, wait a minute, not all of this is bad. You have gifts that go with this. So what I'm aware of and can conveniently ignore for long periods of time but more aware of when I have a conversation with somebody like Nikki is I very much have much more a both and brain than an either or brain. Yeah. I have lots of these features. Yeah. And and times in my life where I wasn't getting enough exercise or enough sleep or I was confined in rows of school chairs, <clears throat> I could go by not looking like I had anything like ADHD because if I scribbled hard enough like I can take really good notes, but God dang, is it a lot of work for me, yeah. right? Right. And I was never up and out of my seat. I don't have the H. <laughs> In fact, yeah. I most of the time am much more exhausted than other people. Yeah. And I ended up finding a perfect freaking profession for somebody with a both-hand brain if you're really fascinated with people. Because yeah. day after day, my time is well-structured. And you don't have trouble sitting still for long periods right. of time. And the person in front of me brings out a whole lot of heart stuff for me and that yeah. always calms my brain down. Right. But if you put me in front of a computer and you say it's time to do your taxes, all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, wow, my brain right. doesn't work like some people's brains. Right. But the thing that can be really interesting is like, so here I'm getting back to this both and brain and what creativity might look like. Um, although I'm musical, my brother got really 
all the visual arts interest and talent. And mm-hmm. he is ridiculously gifted and it was really clear early on. And so I just kind of steered clear of that. That's not where what creative would mean to me. And I didn't really even think of myself as that creative uh, besides maybe music until one day in grad school, somebody came to me and was like, dude, it really drives us crazy. I'm like, what? It's like, you always have done extra reading and you come in like with these like totally different ways of working with people than the subject we're on in class. And it's obvious that you've like, you know, been doing all this extra reading. Yeah. And uh, it was really surprising to them when I was like, no, here's what's really going on. (laughs) Um, I figured out that something about the way my eyes work and definitely something about the way reading works for me means I can't read very fast. And I can read plenty, like, compared to the average person out there, but for graduate school, right, you're getting a doctorate, it's an obscene amount of, yeah, that's just the thing for me. So, I couldn't read at all. Um, What I could do would be to get the primary principles of things, and then my brain would get kind of daydreamy about, you know, it's kind of neat how those principles are sort of the flip side of this other technique we were just learning about before or in another class or this other place. And I would do totally different things with whatever we were doing, right? Instead of sure. the standard procedure, I would have this extra spin because to me, it would start to blend into other cool ways of thinking about people. And then other people would think it's because I'm doing all this extra homework. No, I'm not. I'm just being creative with what the principles we're learning. Right. It's it's really fancy because it's almost like you read the headings and then rewrote the textbook in your brain. Yeah. 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 It's a little like that. That's that is that is kind of a superpower. It is kind of a superpower if you end up in a field where you are fascinated, where you your brain turns on then this both and kind of brain that can look very much like ADHD or can very much be hidden because I can just outwork all those details and make it look like that was easy for me. Um, Yeah. But man, does it make a big difference. And so let me tell you one of the things that's really stayed with me since the Nikki thing is, yeah, it, it took me back to a seminar I saw I went to 15, 20 years ago where somebody was making the kind of outrageous, kind of hilarious, kind of awesome statement. If it's not your gift, it's not your job. I love right. That. <laughs> yeah. If it's not your gift, it's not your job. Obviously, there are some limitations to this idea. And we have to add something important to the other end of it, which is, but it's still your responsibility. That yes. doesn't mean it can go undone, and it doesn't mean you can expect somebody else will just now have to do it for you, but it does mean it would be a really good idea to find somebody you can either ask to do it for you or pay to do it for you. Right. And I think it would be a real change in my life, and I think probably a whole lot of ADHD folks that I work with, if we could get clear on, so which of these things in your life are you, is looking like chaos a lot of the time? Which of these things are not gifts of yours? Well, what if we decide right now, then it's not your job, but you have to go find the person who's going to do it consistently for you? Yeah. Now, some people happen to marry somebody like that and they get it and they're really fine with that because one is wildly creative and always has a really cool vision for a new idea. And another one might be really fantastic at handling the details or saying, nah, that's too many details. I don't want to do that one with you. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
But the rest of the time, you're going to probably have to hire somebody like Nikki to come organize your space yeah. or hire a great bookkeeper. Right. Or right. Uh, it's it's funny. Ada did a um, did a great survey on ADHD professions. And uh, their, you know, their top 10 include things like psychologist and journalist and photographer and, uh, you know, occupational therapist and and then magician, which cracks me up. I feel like you and I nailed all of them except magician. <laughs> so maybe we can... <laughs> Maybe, Maybe we, we can just work pivot. that in a little bit. Yeah, we're going to need right. to work that in. But but right. I mean, everything you're just talking about, like when you when you look at the the sort of features and benefits of ADHD, if you're looking at the sticker in the window, um, you can check off a lot of boxes by finding something that helps you helps you reduce that um, that chaos and find out what is what is most amenable to your job and your uh, responsibility. Can you ever line those things up? And I think you can get pretty close. I think you can. But it's a hell of a lot harder if you think you're supposed to be good at all the things that your brain just is not yeah. built for. Right, right. And until you can get to that place where you're like, you know what? That is just not my gift. It's not going to go well. There's this gentleman I know, and um, I've only known him recently, um, but I just really like this guy. And one of the things I like best about him is how much he just seems to understand and accept himself exactly as he is, right? So he, he, he runs this company. He's the CEO of this company. And uh, it involves real estate. Um, and he is really good at going and choosing the people he wants to work with and choosing the spaces. He doesn't know why. He doesn't really care why. He's mm -hmm. just got in a particular particular intuitive gift for knowing which spaces are going to work. And he hates spreadsheets. Oh, and so yeah. if the accountant for his team sends him a spreadsheet, he'll just immediately pick up the phone and say, don't send me spreadsheets. I won't look at these. If the lawyer sends him contracts, he says, dude, I, you have to read the contracts. I don't read these things. You know, I don't like details like that. Yeah. And at some point, they started to underestimate the gift he brought because, you know, you got a real estate agent doing this and a lawyer doing that and the accountant doing this. And they tell him, hey, look, according to this market and this legal situation and these numbers, this space is going to be great. And he's saying, guys, I can feel it. This isn't going to work. The only place their business has failed is that one place where intuitively he knew this wasn't going to work. And yeah. now they listen to him and everybody knows don't send him a spreadsheet, send him pretty pie charts because he's not going to yeah. look at the numbers. He does not care. <laughs> right. And I love yeah. that. Like everybody gets that instead of him being the guy to whom they send a spreadsheet. And then he quite miserably tries to stare at it, doesn't really understand it because it's completely not where his brain wants to go. And then they think he's absorbed it. He just says, oh, yeah. no, don't send me that stuff. That's uh, Yeah. I mean, I feel like that takes a special. Uh, that takes a special kind of awareness uh, to to get to that point, but also a willingness to give up uh, control in a lot of sort of key areas, right? That that says, okay, I I need to know that one of my my core skills is going to be trusting the people who uh, are in my circle of influence and letting them do the things that they're best at. 
and give up a lot of control because otherwise you end up and and that's kind of where the ADHD part comes in. Like you end up focusing on all the things you don't have control over, even though you know it's kind of the best thing for you. But you you have to like how do you how do you condition that muscle to say, okay, I know myself, I know where those boundaries are, and I'm going to trust those things uh, and trust the people that I've brought into my life to make it work. Yes. That's a yeah. big thing you're saying right there. There's a lot of control you have to lose there. And there's a cost, whether it's just the cost of hiring people to help with these things or the cost of letting go of some of these details. Um, for, and for some people, that's not very hard to do because I can think of one guy, wonderfully ADHD, completely knows it, isn't worried about the details. He's not worried about outcomes. He just keeps moving. This one works, that one doesn't, this project's great, this one kind of of a flop, so what? He just blasts right through it. Mm -hmm. If you're more worried about outcomes um, and you're more worried about details, but you find details really hard to manage in a consistent way, that's a a setup. Because it means you're going to have to let go of a whole lot of control over details you care about, but just aren't going to be good managing. Yeah. That's hard. Right. There we go. Did we cover it all? Well, I think we got pretty close. I did get curious about some of the famous folks who've had ADHD, so I went and looked them up myself. Oh, good. Asked Nikki this question, and she very reasonably said, you know, you don't have to be famous to prove that you can live with ADHD. I see people do it all the time. And she's right. But but you are like a celebrity hound. I am. That's right. And Vincent Van Gogh, I have, I'll have you know. You know, yep. you might have heard of him. And Abraham Lincoln... Thomas Edison and Ansel Adams and Albert Einstein and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Andrew Carnegie all did some pretty amazing things in the world living with ADHD. But so did Norm Schwarzkopf, who, by the way, was able to manage freaking Desert Storm, right? Yeah. It's because he knows who to surround himself with. And Stevie Wonder and Michael Jordan and Jim Carrey, not surprising there. Yeah. (laughs) Will Smith. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, yeah. He's a big There's guy. a guy who can just get right back in the pool and do it again. Remember Howie Mandel? He's one. There you go. Sir Richard great. Branson's done all right for himself. Yep. Ty Pennington. Move that truck. Bus. What is it? <laughs> I love that show. I don't know. Apparently. Apparently not enough to remember what his big line is. <laughs> Uh, Adam Levine is to, is also a uh, uh, Maroon Five uh, of Maroon Five. He's a big one that we we talk about a lot because he's he's a huge advocate for oh. uh, adult ADHD and awareness, uh, and he's become him. he's become quite a personality around ADHD. Yeah. Well, at some point, there is a, a guest you've talked about um, inviting onto this show who talks about ADHD and the emotional storms that can go with yeah. this James Ochoa. This kind of mind and i think that's a really important conversation to add to this because it's not just so how are you going to manage your family budget with this thing or how do you find the right job for you which is difficult enough then there are all these things you most people would have no idea are a natural part of this kind of brain um and it really helps to know more about it so we'll need to come back we can do that next year we can do that Good talk, Dodge. I'm glad worlds collided. Me too. You two are quality people, and I'm glad to be connecting you together. Absolutely.
Nikki's awesome. Right. That was a great conversation and a big help. Awesome. Yeah. Love you, buddy. I love you too, bud. <laughs>